This is Monty in the Morning, the show Phoenix Magazine readers voted number one talk radio show in Arizona. Number one during your morning commute. Number one whenever news breaks during your day. And number one whenever and wherever you want to talk sports. Now it's time for Monty in the Morning. Hey, yo, man, how the heck are you? It is the Monty Show, Thursday, December 9th. 2021. A lot to get to today. Got to talk about Patrick Beverly and Anthony Edwards straight up disrespecting Rudy Gobert. Um, you guys should check the scoreboard. Uh, happiness in marriage and the pandemic and shit. Um, and stuff. Yeah. Uh, interesting conversation around what makes you happy. Like, are you happy? Has your definition of happiness changed during the pandemic? Jake, Jake and I had one of those, hey, daddy. Okay. No, we didn't. Wow. Uh, we were talking about happiness last night and what, you know, what defines happiness. And I actually do think prosperity and happiness has changed, right? I mean, during the pandemic. Yeah, probably. I think it has. We'll talk about that. Snuka first one is he says, hey, yo, man. Good morning. Good morning, Snuka. Good to see you. Let's kick off the show this morning with um, panic and despair in Provo. Uh, it was amazing yesterday to see the out-and-out out, uh, panic and despair. Um, yesterday in Provo over all of these Kalani Sataki leaving BYU rumors. This is a code 10 abort. Well, now I have to tell you there are more than rumors. Um, and I think... We've been pretty, not to pat ourselves on the back, but we've been pretty spot on about the Kalani Sataki contract situation at BYU. And straight up, the situation is he signed an extension last fall, um, a couple of months ago. When I say last fall, I mean like I, I believe it was in August. Um, but that has not precluded him from being one of the top candidates for pretty much every major opening, especially in the Pac-12. And interviewing with Washington and now Oregon. And some BYU fans, and I think a lot of BYU fans, were shocked to hear that Kalani had talked to Oregon yesterday. And it is a little surprising, and the thing that should stand out to you is, it's a change in the mode of operation for Kalani Sataki. Because he had very much sent the message that, I'm not really open for business right now because I'm focused on football. And once football's over, once the bowl game's over, we do our exit interviews, we wrap up the season, then I'm willing to talk to people about their openings. Well, then all of a sudden, I think he saw that guys like Lincoln Riley were getting a USC. And Kalani Sataki had, I think, wanted to talk to USC. And when Washington came calling, Kalani Sataki listened. And when... You, BYU continued to drag their feet in this contract situation. All of a sudden, Mario Cristobal went to Miami, and who's the first person that, that Oregon called? Mm -hmm. Well, it was Kalani Sataki. Now, he's not the only one, and there's nothing that should indicate to any of us that he's close to taking that job. But I was told yesterday by people at BYU that they were taken aback that he, he was going to talk to Oregon. Because Oregon called and asked permission, and it was granted, as you would expect that it would be. And Kalani took the phone call. And I think that set some alarm bells off at BYU. 
But the situation is, is that BYU are dragging their feet on this contract situation with Kalani. And there is a palatable sense of urgency amongst the administration now to get this thing done. And yet I sit here and I wonder, why is it not done yet? Why are we still sitting here on Thursday, December 9th, without a, a reworking and an addendum to Kalani Sataki's contract, Jake? And I just don't get it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, this is not the first time we've seen this in the state of Utah. Yesterday on the show that we, you know, brought back up the Gordon Hayward situation and how the Jazz handled that. And this BYU Kalani situation reeks of uh, those same, you know, handlings. I, I think that you can never assume that that someone who is really good at what they do is not going to consider opportunities. It is the it is the age old dynamic when you're you know when you're being um, hunted, if you will. Hey, someone wants me to be their head coach. Am I really not at least going to talk to them? Am I really not at least going to hear them out and and understand what they're actually offering? You know, and then of course we get to well, you know, what are they offering? And so all of a sudden it goes from hey, I'm not talking to anybody. You know, we, we're good here at BYU to, yeah, I'm talking to Oregon and I'm talking to Washington and, you know, there's conversations being had. And, and, and it's amazing. You know, I just want to point out, yesterday on the show we were talking about how, you know, he hadn't, you know, quite yet been, been you know, having these conversations. And it changes very quickly. And I think if I, – I think and, – and again, this is just based on what I see happening. You know, there's nobody that's – said this to us about Kalani, but if I was Kalani and I was in this situation and I was trying to get my my contract situation, you know, smoothed out and taken care of and handled with BYU and it was taking this long, I would probably be frustrated over whatever it is that BYU wants as well. You know, like like if you're Kalani Sataki, you know you're coveted. You know that you could take any one of these jobs and be successful. But you also know that you have a good thing going at BYU. So it's frustrating that it's taken this long to get something done. And on the BYU side of this thing, I just don't understand it. I don't understand how you're being stubborn about anything in this negotiation. I don't understand how you're taking risk here because that's essentially what you're doing. You're not in a position to lose Kalani Sataki. You're not in a position to, to try to go out and find another head coach to replace one of the best you've ever had. And, and my point with that is just – Again, just like I said yesterday, you're heading into the Big 12 in a couple seasons here. You're there's this is hardly the time to have head coaching issues because once Kalani's gone, if that were to happen, you know assistants are going with. So you're going to have to replace that whole thing. Good luck with that. That's going to be that's going to be really tough. And then obviously it goes without saying that your your recruiting is going to get messed up and you're just going to get set back like 5 years. Yeah, you cannot. It would be catastrophic. Don't die, Jake. Yeah, I mean, it's it's yeah, you know, it's it's early. You know, it, it, <laughs> it is early. Uh, it would be catastrophic. And I think if you look at it, the the questions that surround Kalani Sataki having these conversations, I think one of the main ones is, hey, is Oregon a better job than BYU? Well, going into the Big Twelve, I I don't know that I can say that Oregon's a better job than BYU. I think when you look at you know, the, the many facets and the complexities of being the head football coach at BYU, whether that's the church, the honor code, recruiting with those two things, you know, just knowing straight away that you don't have access to the top recruits um, or certainly as many recruits as the top programs in the country just based on the church and the honor code. Sure, but that's not what Kalani Sataki's ever been about. 
Kalani Sataki has openly often said, BYU is his dream job. It's the only job he's ever wanted. His love and affection and admiration for Lavelle Edwards. Um, his history at BYU. But then why is he talking to Oregon? Well, here's why he's talking to Oregon. Because why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? Yeah. If the phone rings and it's Phil Knight saying, hey, here's a bag of money and Jordan's for a lifetime. Why don't you come to Eugene? You're going to take that phone call. By the way, did anybody see yesterday came out on Oregon's Twitter that they're you know renovating all their facilities and they've got a whole a whole plan to basically you know you know just refresh the entire athletic situation there facilities uh, you know stadium like the whole thing they're 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 pouring money into the program so I don't know man I just think this is one of those situations where it, you know and I know this is cold blooded to say but but we wouldn't have to talk about this if this was done. That's that's what I find myself feeling. Hey, we wouldn't have to be sitting here discussing the possibility, however small it may be, the possibility of Kalani Sataki wearing green or wearing purple uh, if this was done. And and it would be to me, it would be a real shame if if he were to leave, because I think he's built something special at BYU. I think he's done some, no, no, some no, no, amazing no, no, work, no, no, man. No, 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 no. Call it what it is. If Kalani Sataki leaves BYU, it's a catastrophe. It is a tragedy. It is, in my opinion, an unforgivable misstep by upper management at, at, at BYU. That's as plain and simple as I can put it. If Kalani Sataki leaves BYU, it will not be his fault. He will not be a villain. Kalani Sataki belongs at BYU for the rest of his coaching career. He should be paid as, as one of the top coaches in the country. His assistance should be paid, and there should be a significant buyout added to his contract. But he should be the head coach of BYU. If he leaves BYU, it will be not by his own doing. Make that very clear. This is not a question. That if Kalani Sataki walks away from BYU, it will be because BYU didn't do what it needed to do to keep the man who is the only coach in the country that should should coach BYU for the next decade at a minimum. BYU did not do what it needed to do to keep Kalani Sataki in Provo. He is loyal. He is fierce. He is proud. And he wants to be the head coach of BYU. I have heard nothing to the contrary. I have seen nothing to the contrary. And that includes him interviewing with Oregon. That, that to me means nothing that his loyalty is shaken or he you're going to take the phone call. But Tom Holmo's done what he can do. This is over his head. This needs to get done and it needs to get done now. And if you don't think that, you know, because we always hear this, oh, you guys don't have sources. You're a hack. Okay, well, I told you three and a half weeks ago that they were working on a deal for Kalani Sataki to rework his new contract, to add offset buyout language, to add more money to his assistance pool so that they were paid more and they had more stability. We told you that three and a half weeks ago. Why hasn't it been done? I don't know why it hasn't been done. And it's a mistake that it hasn't been done, but it's got to get done. But the other thing that I want to make very clear I have no reason to believe, and I talk to people at BYU on a daily basis, I have no reason to believe that Kalani Sataki is leaving BYU. 
but now the door's open. And if talking to Oregon, which has caused very clearly BYU media to melt down, <laughs> which is remarkable to me, but has caused BYU media, BYU fans to melt down, BYU Twitter to melt down. If you're melting down over him talking to Oregon, uh, just reevaluate yourself. You probably should get on some meds. He's going to talk to Oregon because it creates an opening. It creates more leverage. He's in demand. The sad thing is he likely had to do that to get BYU to move, mm -hmm. which is really frustrating to me. And while I don't believe that Kalani Sataki is underpaid, I don't believe he's underpaid. I, I, from what I understand, he makes $2.4 million a year right now. If in fact, that's the right number, if that's accurate, let's just say he makes $2 million. He's not underpaid. Yeah. He's not, he's not Nick Saban. He's not urban Meyer. He's not one of the greatest coaches in the history of college football. He's had two really good years at BYU. He is a big part of the reason that they are going to the big 12. Okay. He's a head coaching candidate for just about every major job. BYU needs to, to, to up the, the ante now. That's as simple as it is. That's where we are. Yeah. But I want to make it very clear. If he leaves, and I don't think he will, if he leaves, it's not his fault. It's BYU's fault. Plain and simple. I yeah. mean, I, no, I mean, I agree. I, I think it's, I think it's, this is, this is not anything new in sports. You know, I, I, while, you know, while you were just talking there, I was thinking about like, you know, other, other situations and, you know, uh, contracts and players and man, like this is the conversation we always have with, with players or coaches or managers or whatever in their relationship with upper management. And, and it is a unique situation being that it is college athletics. Cause obviously it's not just like a, an owner of a team and, and the player, but That's you know, right. it's a little different, but at the same time, like you, you can't tell me that, that this couldn't have been done already. And, and, and this is where, this is where I'm just kind of like, you know, it gets kind of almost in a sense like tiring, you know? It's like, how hard can it be to work out buyout language? How hard is it? Like, how how hard is it if you're BYU to, excuse me, to come to the middle on something? You know, like, it, it just, it, 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 it sh we shouldn't be here. But there's something else, though, and I think this is really significant. BYU's not special or unique. And BYU fans, I know this is probably going to piss you off, but you need to come around to the idea that BYU is no different than any other university. When it comes to the business of sports, BYU is no different. Kalani Sataki and his relationship with BYU, okay, that's a little bit different. It's not unlike Mario Cristobal at Miami, right? But I think there's this belief that Kalani would never leave us. He wouldn't, I mean, let, let's just, like if one more fool says, let's just tithe more. Do you understand that he would leave? And the people vilifying Kalani for taking these interviews, your, 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 your head's in the sand if you believe that Kalani would never leave and this is a special place. Well, when it comes to money and contracts and big-time sports, it's not different. It's not unique. It's not special. It's not. I, I, and, and I'm sorry if that hurts your feelings or if that stings. It's no different than any other major athletic department in the country. In fact, 
it's more difficult to succeed at BYU than most other major athletic departments in the country. you got to get over this thing that BYU is wholesome and different and unique because it's not. <laughs> it's not. He would leave. He should be taking these phone calls. It's not his fault that BYU is not doing what needs to be done to get done what needs to get done. That's not Kalani's fault. Yeah. So for everybody vilifying him and calling him selfish and, oh, he just got a contract extension. What more does he want? Okay, well, he wants what everybody wants. He wants exactly what's coming to him. Nobody in modern BYU football history, including Bronco Mendenhall, has had this kind of success. And you're going into the Big 12. Did you think it was going to be cheap to go to the Big 12? Did you never think about the financial repercussions of going into the Big 12? Because they're they're significant. Yeah. They are significant. You will pay into that conference. You will pay a larger slice of your revenue into that conference. Is it not worth it? I think it is worth it. 100%. But it costs you it costs you more to hire coaches. And this is the other thing that I would say about this Kalani situation. Who are you going to replace him with? And this is the thing that I don't understand about where BYU management is at. Yeah. How much is it going to cost you to replace Kalani Sataki? Hell of a lot more than it's going to cost you to keep him. Well, and the other thing is, let's say you just find some bro to replace him. Right? No matter who it winds up being. How is that going to impact your recruiting? It's going to be devastating for a couple of years. What does that mean to you? Well, that means that when you get into the Big 12, you're not going to be able to win. Because we already know from independence to the Big 12 is a steep climb, right? That's a fact. Yeah. We already know that Kalani is recruiting at a very high level. Very high level. Dominating the state of Utah right now. He is proven. He can go to every corner of this country and get talent to come to BYU. He can go to the islands and get big bros to come and play at BYU. Yep. He can do that. Like he, he has been able to work. Do you realize, I think the, what number was it the other day? 37 BYU players are married. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. And they're taking all of their wives to the bowl game. Mm -hmm. How many other schools have to even deal with that? Yeah, I mean, there's that's what I'm saying. There's no question that he's the guy for the job. Uh, th that that's why that's why I'm just so surprised that this isn't done. I, I mean, I I think it's it, it is, you know, it's borderline. In my opinion, it's borderline foolishness out of the management of BYU. Like like, I just can't get wrap my head around the idea that you're so stuck on how much the buyout's going to be that this isn't done yet. Yeah. Like that to me is just foolish. I, I, I don't understand why you would, you would have the mindset of yes, we have to have X number for the buyout in order to get this but, done. But when has, and, and this is one of the things that makes it difficult at BYU. When has the church ever done anything quickly? Yeah, I guess they haven't. I'm tired of hearing about the church. I'm tired but, of hearing about it. Uh, like, well, but I, I mean, that might be true. But it is what it is. It is what it is. Then, then, right. But, but then, if if we're gonna say that, and I don't disagree with what you're saying, but if we're gonna say it is what it is about how they operate, well, then it is what it is when he signs with Oregon, right? That's what we're gonna say. That and that's that's the frustrating and unfortunate part 
about the way business is handled and done, you know, at BYU. And I feel like by this state, I feel like this isn't the first time this kind of situation has come up. And I know the Jazz have changed their front office leadership, and I know they're going through things, but but I just I just want a team in this state to do what it takes to win at the highest level. I'm tired of hearing about, uh, well, the Jazz are strapped, you know, with money and they don't have picks and, you know, they can't they can't get the job done. And so three years from now when we're doing this show, we're going to be talking about Don being a Nick when we should be talking about Don being a two-time champion with the Utah Jazz. You know, like like at some point, I want a team to do what it takes. But And I, I think the church is, is a little different. I think, you know, and that's why the tithing comment is so frustrating. You know, because you can't, and, and I don't, I don't know the inner inner workings of, you know, the the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints. I don't, but from what I understand, the church does not fund BYU athletics. Yeah, they they don't. They they it's not like they're like oh well okay well uh, you know Breland and Dallin gave an extra twenty dollars earmarked for the football program. It doesn't work that way. No does not work that way. You can't fill your envelope a little more. You can't scratch that check with a few more zeros. It doesn't work that way. So I BYU is just, in my opinion, behind the times. And I, I think the hardest part for BYU fans is you're going to vilify Kalani the way you vilified Bronco when he left. Mm-hmm. And you're going to be, oh, my God, I can't believe he would leave. Well, he left. And if you don't think that Kalani would leave too, I think you're crazy. Yeah. You know, like I, I just don't. All right. Let's get some comments in here. Cause, uh, I see many of you, uh, Gabe Ledley. What's up, my guy. Good to see you, buddy. Uh, the night guy says morning fellas. What's up? Hawkins says morning. All Brylark says, good morning, boys. Brylark. Good to see you friend. Uh, Tay Skywalker says Sataki to Oregon. I don't think it's going to happen. I really don't. I, I really, really don't. Neville 93 says, good morning and Merry Christmas, you filthy animals. You too, bud. Good to see you. We all know the church has plenty of money to pay him too. <clears throat> yeah. But, uh, but again, I don't, it's not the church. I'm telling you, it's not the, and this is what happens at BYU. Inevitably it's, oh, well, the church is cheap, but, but it's, dude, it's a football program. It's not the, it's not the, it's, you know, it's not the head of the, the, the LDS church being like, oh, well, we'll replace Kalani with, um, but you know, the, uh, stake president in Bountiful. But I think the issue for people is that it, it obviously is a church-based program. His right? Pop Warner team is amazing. You know, like it's obviously a church-based program. But it's so, not. It's at, not. At, at, it's a church-based. It's a faith-based institution. BYU yes. is wholly owned by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Yes. Right? The Mormon Church owns BYU. They own that, that thing. That does not mean that. That does not mean the apostles are making a decision on Kalani Sataki. Right. But the point is, is that we all know for a fact that the church isn't hurting for money. So what fans are doing is they're saying, okay, well, if we have all this money, why are we worrying about buyout language? That's what fans are doing. And, and I get what you're saying. Hey, it's not the, the church, like officials in the church making decisions on the football program. But I have to kind of agree with the sentiment that why are, why, like, why are, why is BYU penny pinching on buyout language with Kalani Sataki when there's not another Kalani Sataki out there for them to go and get? 
That's what I think the yeah. sentiment is. You because know? I think I think I think the folks making this decision in Provo don't believe that Kalani will leave. And I, in my again, my opinion is is that is a very dangerous game to play. I totally very agree. dangerous game. To I play. totally agree. Uh, Brylark says we all know the church has plenty of money to pay him. Austin Lewis says Homo has done a great job so far. Don't mess this one up, man. But uh, from what I'm told, it's over Tom Homo's head. Yeah. Tom has done what he can do. Um, Tom has made it very clear um, that he Kalani's his guy and that he is willing to do what he has to do to keep Kalani as the head coach. I think Tom and Kalani have a great relationship. And I, there's been a lot of questions about that, and I have asked that specific question uh, to the people at BYU that I know, and roundly everybody says they get along just fine, swimmingly. Yeah, this to me, this to me, based on what we're hearing, based on what your people tell you, in the actions we're seeing and everything, this to me seems like a very straightforward thing. You know, Kalani and Tom Homo are, are, have a good relationship, mainly because this is not in Tom's hands. This is above him. And, and that, I think, that, I think, is what is frustrating about this whole thing because you got to remember, it's not like Kalani's on his phone all day talking to the people at BYU. Remember that. No. It is Kalani's agent talking to the people at BYU handling this situation, and Kalani probably gets a couple updates a day. And so if you're Kalani, you're sitting here, your agent's telling you, hey, Oregon wants to talk. Hey, you know, we're trying to work out this thing with BYU. So you're basically in the same seat as we are in the sense that you're you're just waiting. You're waiting for an answer. You're waiting for BYU to say, hey, here we go. We can agree on this. But the issue also is, think about how this is playing out in the football offices at BYU. Oh, man. I mean, you have family and f very close-knit friendships on that staff. They're all talking about it, too. Their families are talking about, hey, we going to Oregon? Hey, man, we going to be ducks? We duck hunting? We got to put on those paint splatter uniforms? We going to get some Nikes? We, we going to get some Nikes? We going to Phil Knight's house? I mean, those conversations are happening. And then on the other side of that, there's also, I'm sure, people in that program who work for Kalani who don't want to go to Oregon, who want to stay at BYU. And so that's why I say, for Kalani, it has to be a difficult situation. It is. And, and that's why, to go back to what you were saying, vilifying Kalani is just not the way to go here. Because you got to understand, this is a business dealing. It's that's not right. like Kalani just out here trying to, trying to blow that's up the right. program, you know? I, I, and I want to make this very clear. I want to make this very clear. Yeah. I don't think he's leaving. It would be shocking. I think it will get done. Yeah. But I'll be repetitive and say it again. If Kalani Sataki isn't the head football coach at BYU in two weeks, that's BYU's fault. I don't want to hear a single voice criticizing Kalani Sataki. I don't want to hear anybody saying, oh, he's a sinner. I saw that you yesterday. Check yourself. Yeah, I saw that yesterday on Twitter. If he takes that money, if he runs for the money, he's a sinner. He's no good anyway. <laughs> okay. Well, he may be no good then, and he may be a sinner, but Oregon's going to win a bunch of football games. Yeah. Right? I Exactly, Greg Hawkins. Church money greater than Nike money? Probably. But Phil Knight's a lot more, uh, you know, available. His purse strings are a lot looser than the church is. Seriously. Right? This has been I mean, done. Hey, uh, look, Kalani. Hey, Kalani, it's Phil Knight. Um, look, I'm going to toss you uh, three million, four million bucks, and uh, guarantee you we're going to drop a case of Air Jordans on your uh, – on your uh, stoop every other week, then you know what? We'll we'll put it on your uh, 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 we'll uh, uh, um uh, we'll put it on your uh, assistant coach's stoops too. Um, um, you know what about a new headband? I got a great visor package coming. You know.
they're gonna do they're gonna throw everything at the anybody kitchen sink dude. that they want to hire BYU will not so we'll see and by the way it should be said leverage is with BYU because he's already there and it's a pain in the ass to move I could make a case that it's not uh, I think it is difficult to move I think I can make a case that it's not. Okay. Uh, Carbon Beach says the fact the Y hasn't renovated LES is an Ed Lavelle Edwards Stadium uh, yet is an indic indicative of the disconnect between admin and the team. Could you renovate Lavelle Edwards Stadium? Sure, you could. You could find a way to renovate the you know anything. <laughs> like, it's a great place to play football. Yeah, and the the Rock is unbelievable. Like, you know. Anyway, Brylark says, in any professional situation, you always take the meeting. Yes, yeah. You do. Even if you know you're going to stay, you owe it to yourself to explore every opportunity regardless of the chance that it will happen. You're exactly right. Exactly. Uh, greasy Hands Auto Sean Butterfield. Uh, you're just Greasy Hands. Uh, greasy Hands says, good day. Chris Hill drug his feet and Kalani left Utah. He's a man of action. Well, that's true. You know? Hey, man, that's that a is great true. point, dude. How'd that work out at Oregon State? Y'all want to play. <clears throat> yeah, man. Greg Hawkins, if the church really wanted BYU to win, they drastically increase the budget, go Alabama-level money, and hire a top coach even if he's not Mormon. This is Coach Saban. Uh, well, <laughs> but see, this goes back to the age-old conversation, and uh, I don't think it's a conversation. Winning at BYU is not first. Yeah, it's football's not fifth. The priority. Yeah, it's not the priority. Exactly right. It's not the priority. Money's not the priority. Spreading the word of Jesus Christ and, and adding to the, the membership roles of the church is the priority. Always has been, always will be. And to me, that's why you don't compromise the honor code to recruit better. Um, to me, that's why you don't, you know, go Alabama level money. You don't need to do and, that. And so this is why I say when, <clears throat> when you were saying, hey, the leverage is with BYU. I think the leverage is with Kalani here because at some point, BYU needs to understand that Kalani Sataki is 100% without a doubt the best guy for the job. He's fine with all of that. Like, like where are you going to go and find another guy to do what Kalani does at the level Kalani does it at at BYU? Andy has a temple recommend. Like, those where guys are you going to find him, Those dude? guys don't grow on trees or come get on, the pop damn out of wounds. Get thing done, yeah. bro. Get it done. Yeah, you should get it done. Um, I don't know that this is your real name, sir. Um, Jizoint Man One. I'm for real. <laughs> Morning studs. <laughs> What's up, Jizoint Man? Uh, Casey Finlinson. Here's a guy that knows a thing or two about the church and BYU. Yes. Uh, oh, comment dump. Comment dump. Comment dump. Roll on up. Uh, the church gives no money to the athletic department. Also, as an employee of said university, all things and decisions take a lot of time to get done. Correct. He also says employees at BYU understand that things like salaries do not move fast. It's been like this throughout the university forever. Everyone else sees it different. Tithing does not go towards salaries. Thank you. Yeah. So I was right about that. BYU Athletics does not upgrade or spend any money unless they have a total amount due in hand before they do anything. Well, and I think a lot of universities are like that. It's called an endowment. Um, and a lot of football coaches are paid through endowments. Um, so I want to say at USC, I'm pretty sure USC's salary is an endowment. Like if you look at, I could be wrong about this. I think if you look at Lincoln Riley on Twitter, I actually am pretty sure 
that it, his name is in the endowment. It's not. I lied. I'm a terrible person. Anyways. So get your facts straight. But there are a lot of universities where you'll see it's the Fred and Stan Drescher University of Dick Blow head coach. You are fake. Like, you'll see that there's like an actual family that pays the salary of the head coach at, at yeah. a university. And yeah. it happens at all major universities. Um, like Oklahoma State, T. Boone Pickens, or, I mean, pick the, pick the you know, Rice-Eccles Stadium. Yeah. It's named after the Eccles. Like, I mean, that's how, that's how things get done at universities, is usually through endowments. So, yeah, I, I, Casey, I think you're right on. Uh, Snuka says, if all my tithes would go uh, BYU football, I'd pay more. Sorry, not sorry, Lord. Hey. Jesus is a Notre Dame fan for a reason. I really don't care if you think it's us. <laughs> the Nye guy says, who here would not take a meeting for another employer with an opportunity to get more money? Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I would. Uh, Norge Coog says, Kalani is not Oregon's first choice. Their fan base would be very underwhelmed if he becomes a head coach at Oregon. Totally disagree with that. Is he their first choice? I have no idea. Um, I can I cannot tell you. I think it was two, two or three radio stations asked me to do an interview yesterday to talk about him. Um, if you read my Twitter feed, you see all the Oregon fans coming in. Uh, my friends that are Oregon fans are wildly excited. Yeah. About him. Um, because when you look at, when you look at their other, um, said, uh, coaching candidates, um, you know, like I, I think Justin Wilcox is the other guy that, nah. that they're talking to at Cal. He's never won anything. Yeah. Mm. If you don't believe that Oregon fans are excited about Kalani Sataki, you're crazy. Bro. You at, at USC, I know probably a hundred USC fans that. The, the USC people I talked to were absolutely excited about having Kalani Sataki as their head coach. A poly head coach at Oregon would be highly oh successful. God. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Brylark says, the vilifying of people deciding to leave any Utah sport is Utah culture. Remember Gordon Hayward? Yes. Yes, yes, yes do. dude. Larry Pilgrim says, boosters can make up salary gaps in budgets and often do. They do. Uh, Maury Alvarez says, even Lavelle interviewed with other teams. Pay the man and his staff, exactly. Yeah. The complications at BYU are not good reasons to stay if offered more money elsewhere, correct? I would agree with that 100%. Mm -hmm. um, Greg Hawkins says, the reason the church is cheap on BYU is because BYU is part of the church educational system, while the money is all in the uh, Deseret Management Corporation. Can't mix two since they are a church, correct? Yeah, there are. Yeah, that's a whole nother conversation. Yeah, but X, Y, and Z equals get the damn thing done. Yeah. At, you know, like. Can we get more Phil Knight impersonations? That shiz was hilarious. <laughs> I'm sure it'll happen. Brylark says, always remember, anything can be negotiated. Yes. Hey, Kalani, all your kids and your grandkids will have their entire tuition paid for at Oregon. I'm for real. Cool. Where do I sign? Hey, um, hey Kalani, it's Phil Knight. Um, <laughs> uh, by the way, I, I know I told you I was going to drop some Jordans, but we're going to do that, and there will be a little envelope in the box, too, that's a check for your kids' tuition. Thanks. Um, so go ahead and sport those Nikes. <laughs> all right, go Ducks. <laughs> Like he shows up and the first thing they give him is, uh, "Hey Kalani, I'm Joe Dickblow, the uh, president of Oregon." Nice. What's to up, you. motherfuckers? <laughs> I believe that's a direct quote from Kalani. 
Hey, Kalani, I'm Joe Dickflow, president in Oregon. What's nice up, motherfucker? <laughs> nice to meet you. I'm sorry? <laughs> what did you say? Uh, What's up, motherfuckers? Yeah. And then Phil Knight comes in. He's like, all right, here's your custom duck collar. You know, wow. like. <laughs> wow. Anyway. Wow. Uh, just tuning in, but we would literally lose all of our recent recruits. Recruits Kalani leaving would be fatal to the program. Um, George Rojas says, yeah, I agree. There's there's no doubt about that. Yeah, man. More Phil Knight right now, please. <laughs> no, you can't. Okay, there, there's your filter. You can't curse in the comments and have YouTube not filter you because they will. Uh, the Nye guy says Jake is on point with the drops today. I'm trying, man. Pretty rare. Um, I know. Yeah, I'm trying. Uh, Casey says two completely separate budgets for the athletic department and education. Yeah, it, and it is self-funded. Yeah, I mean, you, BYU, that's why I said BYU is not unlike many universities. I mean, they, it takes a lot to be elite. And the BYU athletic department right now is operating at a very high level. It, I mean, at, just about every team is is at the top of the table. Mm. So, mm. Anyway. I feel Man, better. I hope we never have to talk about him wearing green. I'm telling you, if Kalani Sataki leaves BYU, it's not his fault. I really hope it never happens, And man. he is not a villain. Nah, I agree. He is not a villain. Yeah. Is yeah. Oregon a better job than BYU? I think, um, yeah. I don't think it I, is. I think, here's my trouble. Here's Here's where I think Oregon might have a slight edge. I think that. The not that it's negative, but the baggage that comes with being the head coach at BYU, all the things you got to deal with. That's what I think really, you know, if you're anybody except Kalani, you're going to look at these two situations and you're going to say, okay, you know, heading into a new conference. There's some things I got to abide by as the head coach. Like there's things I got to do at BYU that I don't have to do at Oregon. By the way, Oregon is the cool hipster school that's got the Nike money and Phil Knight, and it's going to have the new campus. Hey, Kalani, and, it's Phil Knight. Yeah, hey, it's Phil Knight. Uh, how you doing? Uh, you know, I just, I just that think again. that, I just think that, I don't know. I, I just, I am bewildered. That's a lot. I know we got to move on, but I am just shocked. I, I, I hey, I, like, I can't get down with the idea of, oh, well, it's BYU, so things move slow. Well, what does that even mean, dude? Are we going to say, well, it's BYU, things move slow, so we're okay losing Kalani? Like, what do you mean things move slow? Like, get with the times, you know? That's what I that's what I want to say to BYU right now. And I'm sure Kalani's factoring that in. I mean, he it, this is not his first day on campus at BYU. But, mean, do you, but do you get what I mean? He shouldn't have to factor things in. Like, it should just be at some yeah, point. Yeah, and as, I should also be 200 pounds with a six-pack of abs, but I'm a fat ass. Things happen. Well, like, there, there's a way that things go down. That's quite enough. We yeah, get it. There's a way that things go down, dude. Well, like, at, apparently I, at BYU, that's how it goes. And but, he, but, but he knows that he knows the way the gears turn there. I think the frustration is, is that they don't have an agreement in principle. You have a deal. It, yeah, it's not that he needs a contract signed in front of him. I think Kalani wants a handshake and I don't think he's in front. And this is just, this is just what I'm hearing, right? Like, I don't know this to be fact, but the guys I talked to at BYU have not been wrong. Mm -hmm. They've not been. And, and mm -hmm. I will just go back and say, we've heard from day one about this Kalani contract extension thing or rework. It's, it's not an extension. You just signed a new contract in August, but they're reworking. It's going to be an addendum, whatever the flip you want to call Paperwork. it. Paperwork. Yeah. They're working on it. We've heard that for three and a half, four weeks now. 
Like, if you go back to the Jaron Hall injury stuff, we told you he shouldn't have played against Boise State. And yet he, he still played. And he still played. And everybody said he's not hurt. Well, it, it turns out he is hurt, right? So I think we've been pretty good on BYU, mm -hmm. right? What I would tell you is, from what the people I talk to at BYU say, there is some disappointment that there's not been a handshake. Yeah, this is done. Now we got to get Genie and administration to type it up. I want it. It's it, it that's what the Genie frustration administration. is. Administration. Hey, uh, Genie, <laughs> can you put that on paper, please? Uh, you know, like <laughs> I, I mean, it just is what it is, and I think that's where the frustration is. Yeah. Because if they had a handshake deal, Kalani's not talking to Oregon. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, and there's palatable frustration there, but there's also a sense of urgency to get this done. And I think it gets done. I just think there's going to be some, I think some people are going to be gripping their, their book of Mormon a little tighter down in Provo for a minute. You know, I mean, yeah, it's unfortunate that it's got to go that way. While talking about BYU, Mitchell has seven more Euro step buckets on the wall. <laughs> I know, dude, I know. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, wow. Teddy Wayman says, sup, fellas. What's up, buddy? Nice. Brad Lark says, by the way, Jake, put the glasses back on. Luca's mom is hot. And do you guys even watch jazz games? There. It's all out now. Okay. By the way, it was shocking in Hawaii to see you in glasses. Yeah. So Jake has his own place. So I don't see what your bedtime routine is. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's awkward to say that out loud. Anyway, so as we... Oh, shit. Damn, I am tripping. Yeah, uh, you know. Um, uh, anyway, the point is... Yeah, uh, all I, right. You, once you took your contacts out in Hawaii and you put your glasses on... Yeah. I was like, um, the fuck is in our... Oh, our condo, man. Oh, it's Jake. Sorry, my bad. For such a smart person, you really are lost, aren't you? I am. Like, that was weird to see you in glasses. I mean, I got to be able to see. Casey says... Um, there's a lot of big money donors giving a lot of money to the athletic department. They have the money. They just need to approve for what Kalani wants. And for everyone's worried, it takes time. It does take time. The Nye guy says, drop a bag alert and I'll stay BYU at BYU and coach. Well, I'm telling you, it's not about his salary. This is not an issue with his salary. My dog is throwing up in the background. It's fine. He hasn't even had anything to eat today, and he's already throwing up. It's fine. Um, <laughs> it's not about his salary. I think he's going to get a bump in salary. Again, from what I'm told, he makes $2.4 million. Yeah. He's paid well. He has paid well for who he is and where he is. Anything over $2 bucks is a good salary for him. Thanks. My guess is that he gets a small bump in pay. His assistants get a a, a nice bump in pay The because the, assistants essentially are paid out of a pot. They say, hey, you get $10 to pay 10 assistants. Everybody makes a dollar, mm -hmm. right? So you're going to get X amount of money to pay all of your assistants. That that number will go up. And BYU in return is going to want a significant buyout if he is to take another job. Because they they want to get him off the coaching carousel. They they do not want this distraction. Well, I think they're – but they're worrying about themselves, and that's the thing. BYU is concerned about its well-being, not Kalani's, you yeah. know? And I think that that's – it's just a slippery slope. That's all. You got to be careful. All right. Should we talk jazz basketball now? <sighs> yes. Let's get into jazz basketball. 
All right, I don't – the game – hey, the Jazz won last night. Cool. Neat. Uh, all right, let's talk about the post-game <laughs> pressers because this is where the money in this conversation yeah. is. Yeah. So after the game, Patrick Beverly's a jerk. Like, he runs his mouth. But he said something we've said on this show quite often. Mm-hmm. He essentially said Rudy Gobert is soft. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wait a minute. You didn't score in the second half if memory serves. And he got a technical foul talking smack to Rudy Gobert. Yeah. But then after the game as well, Anthony Edwards, who is not the most outspoken guy, but he's turning into a superstar. I mean, by any measure. Yeah. Anthony Edwards is turning into a stud. And he will dunk on your face. And so it was interesting on the podium that Anthony Edwards said this about Rudy Gobert. Was Gobert a factor there? It seemed like you guys were getting there and he wasn't affecting as many shots and it's just, we were just missing him. Uh, I think he was in, in people's heads. Like just, he wasn't even blocking shots for real. I don't think, I think he was just, people was just going to the rim. It was just like, oh, they got Rudy Gobert. You know what I'm saying? I'm telling him like, bro, he's the same as anybody else, bro. Like, to me, the best rim protector game in the league is Porzingis. Like, anytime I go against Porzingis, I don't get no layups. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? So, like, I don't get why we couldn't finish on Rudy Gobert, but don't put no fear in my heart. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I don't know why. Well, you just lost by 30. Now, granted, Rudy did not have a great game. He didn't. But, having said that, <clears throat> he still affected a lot of shots. And I think the interesting part is they also talked about why he didn't guard Carl Anthony Towns one on one, which is what Pat Bev was really talking about. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of truth in what they're saying. This has nothing to do about the score. Okay? Nothing. Let's be very clear about this. This has nothing to do about the score or or the way the game played out. It, nothing to do with it. And we can get into all that in a minute. But but this this whole dynamic if you will of the best players on the other team disrespecting Rudy Gobert is something you need to be uh paying attention to if you're a Jazz fan the the, and I want to play it one more time I want you to listen to how casual the disrespect is like how comfortable Anthony Edwards is with throwing this shade at Rudy Gobert because again again let's not confuse Rudy Gobert right multi-time defensive player of the year you know, really good rim protector or guy that, yeah, a guy that, that is supposed to be, you know, a a real force on the defensive end. Just note how casual Anthony Edwards is about throwing shade at Rudy here. Was Gobert a factor there? It seemed like you guys were getting there and he wasn't affecting as many shots and it's just, we were just missing him. Uh, I think he was in, in people's heads. Like just, he wasn't even blocking shots for a long day. I think he was just, people was just (laughs) going to the rim. It was just like, oh, they got Rudy Gobert. You know what I'm saying? I'm telling him, like, bro, he's the same as anybody else, bro. Like, to me, the best repertory game in the league is Porzingis. Like, anytime I go against Porzingis, I don't get no layups. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? So, like, I don't get why we couldn't finish on Rudy Gobert, but. I... <laughs> it's amazing, dude. It's amazing. It's just so casual. I'm just like, there's zero intensity in that. There's zero, like, hey, man, like, I got to pay any kind of respect to Rudy Gobert. He's literally just saying Rudy Gobert is just like anybody else, and I don't know why we struggled with Rudy Gobert. But this also goes back to Miles Turner. Mm-hmm. This goes back to Dwayne Dedman. Mm-hmm. We've talked about this repeatedly on the show, that guys are taking runs at Rudy Gobert. 
And I think we even talked about this yesterday. Rudy saying that he's never going to fight and that he's going to hug it out is a huge mistake. And I'll take it a step further and say, Rudy Gobert is soft. He's not a physical, physically intimidating player. Yeah. He is soft. And guys don't have a problem, whether it's John Morant, Anthony Edwards, you name it. Guys don't have a problem trying to dunk on his head. Mm-hmm. Terrence they, Mann. Terrence Mann dunked on him. Are they often successful? No. But are they sometimes? Yes. Is it happening more frequently? Yes. Is more success coming? Yes. You're seeing guys get to the rim on the Jazz. And a lot of it is that how many times can you ask him to stop a guy? Because you're not playing any perimeter defense. Mm -hmm. And to Anthony Edwards' point, they had no problem getting to the cup last night. Now, they couldn't finish. Mm -hmm. I don't know how many layups they made or if there's an NBA record for that. How many layups they missed, rather. And I don't know if there's an NBA record for that. But they must have said it if there is. There's a reason they're a bad team. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason for that. They're young. Yeah. They're aggressive. The Jazz are a superior team to Minnesota. They shot 53s last night. Mm -hmm. Right? I mean, who are we kidding? If they're going to shoot almost 50% from three, the Jazz are not going to lose very often. Yeah. But my point is, this is another young athletic team attacking Rudy Gobert. And... I think this is where you really begin to understand that the perimeter defense for the Jazz is terrible. Like, and and again, I know Buckets O'Neal, Buckets. I know he's the greatest defender that anybody's ever seen ever. Mm -hmm. But the guy was a turnstile last night. He was. I mean, the, the best defense I saw was the double team on Carl Anthony Towns. Which, by the way, I wouldn't put Rudy Gobert on Carl Anthony Towns either. That's a recipe to get beat. Mm -hmm. I'm not doing that. And you saw how aggressively the the Jazz double-team cat, well, if he wants that to stop, do what they did with Kevin Durant in Brooklyn the other night and get rid of the ball and give it right back to him. Yeah. Move the guy around because you can't be two places at one time. Yeah, I mean, I just felt like the Timberwolves got outcoached, number one. And then number two, they got outplayed. I, I mean, I, I think, you know, for – for and, and the fire Quinn stuff has calmed down quite a bit. But for all those people who were saying, hey, we got to fire Quinn Snyder when this team was really struggling – like, last night was a perfect example of Quinn Snyder just kicking the shit out of whoever it is that coaches the Timberwolves. I mean, they, the Jazz were prepared. The Jazz were ready to go after their little charity event at the beginning of the game where they turned the ball over like a gazillion times. He called a very timely timeout, got them reset, and they were back into the flow of the game. So I, I think Quinn did a nice job last night. But I just think this whole dynamic with Rudy, you know, it, it's not going to change uh, unless he changes it, you know. And, and I don't see Rudy Gobert changing it anytime soon. I would love to see to see this team be able to play with a big who punishes people for going to the rim. That's what I would love to see because I think it would totally change the way teams play the Jazz, and 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 that's not going to happen. So I wish Rudy Gobert was a badass who knocked people out when they tried to dunk on him. Yeah, I wish he took bodies at the rim. I really, I I would love to see it. He goes after the ball. He doesn't go after the guy. Mm-hmm. And if he just three four times a year would go after the body. Now, are you going to get a flagrant on that? Sure you are. But is it going to send a message and stop people from doing that? Absolutely it is. Yeah. But that's not who he is. Mm-hmm. So you're not going to get that, right? I look at the game tonight in Philly. Now, I don't know if Embiid's going to play. He hurt his knee last night. He did come back, and he played well after that. But it's a back-to-back. He's your entire franchise right now because Ben Simmons is a punk. Um, <laughs> Seriously. Like, I, I, He's your entire deal. Yeah. 
So I don't know if Joel is going to play tonight, but Joel Embiid has been a real problem in Boyan Bogdanovich ain't guarding that guy. Yeah, and you would expect that Mike Conley wouldn't play tonight because it is a back-to-back, and he played last night. So well, well Jared Butler's been getting 15, 20 minutes a night. So okay. Yeah, they'll be fine. Yeah. That's right. Don't get me started. He played three minutes last night. Don't get me started. You won by 30. He played three minutes last night. You were up 22, I think it was, with five minutes left, and Don was still in the game. Don't understand it. Nope. Don't, don't understand it. it. Again and again and again. Yeah. Royce and Joe need to be traded, says yeah. Brylark. Agree with that. There's not much to lose for John Anthony to try. If they don't get it or get blocked, then it's no biggie because he's the defensive player of the year. If they get it, then Bleacher Report will blow up. Well, true. But what you're seeing is more guys are trying. Yeah, the, the issue isn't just Anthony Edwards and John Morant. The issue is once those two guys start getting it going – and in driving the paint, getting fouled, and you know, getting because they got Rudy in foul trouble last night by doing it, um, which is the first time that's happened in a while. But the issue is, is that the rest of the team starts doing it. The rest of the team starts, you know, being more confident that they can attack Rudy. So it's a snowball effect. And again, I just want to point this out. You know, we saw this last year in you know in the Clippers series. We even saw it a little bit in the Memphis series, where teams are taking advantage of the fact that Rudy is you know is is slower the foot. And I just think that the Jazz are going to have to figure figure out how to, you know, how to work with that. They rolled out a zone defense to start the game last night, and then they kind of rotated in and out of man and zone the whole night. I'd love to understand though, and this is this is the issue because Patrick is telling me that it's going off about how Miles Turner's a, a punk, and well, Rudy Gobert's the one that started that. Yeah, Miles Turner blocked his shot. Rudy was falling down and decided to grab Miles Turner's shorts. That's where this all started. And this is the hard part about Rudy Gobert. When he gets into it, he he starts forming people, elbowing people. He dunks on you and tries to kick you up in the head. And that's when things get turned up. And so then when you, when you have to be held accountable for that, because you're never going to punk Miles Turner. No. Miles Turner is coming for your head. I mean, yeah. That's just who that guy is. And Rudy won't back it up. Rudy will not back up the pulling of the shorts. And if you watch Rudy play on a regular basis, now we don't watch jazz games. No, we don't watch the jazz or BYU. But we watch all of the jazz games. And you can see him pulling jerseys, pulling shorts, forearms in the in the back. Like the over-the-back call last night. And this is another thing we need yeah. to get into. This obsessive arguing over whistles for Rudy Gobert has got – to stop. I promise you, this is hurting the Jazz. Mm -hmm. He complains about every single call. Yeah. And you're seeing a trend in the league where guys are complaining less. And he's lucky he didn't get his ass teed up last night for throwing that water bottle on the bench, by the way. He's lucky because that should have been a technical foul. He's not on the floor. He they Because he decided to throw a fit and throw that water bottle – a bunch of water gets on the floor yes. and they got to stop the game. He yes. should have been te teed up for that. In the rule book, it says that that technically should have been a technical foul, but he didn't, and and they moved on with life. But I just, I don't know, man. I just want, I want him to. I mean, saying he should grow up is kind of a childish way to say oh, it, but he just to needs control to control his emotions for sure. Yeah, you yeah. know, he just needs yes. to be better about it. The water thing was weird. I don't know. Uh, Hodo Gonzalez says, "Good morning, Monty." Hodo. <laughs> You already know, though. Wow. They all learned to cry about whistles from LeCaron. 
Um, I think that's a LeBron James bomb. Uh, okay. I could be wrong. The night guy says when the Wolves went to sleep last night, they checked under the bed for Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, they mm-hmm. did. He was awesome last night. Yeah, he really was. He was awesome. That Euro step was beautiful. Yes, it was. Yes, 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 it was. Um, do they win in Philly tonight? Mm. I think it's going to be tough if Joel Yeah, plays. I mean, it really just depends. I, I mean, I don't know if Mike Conley's playing. don't know if Joel Embiid's playing. You know, I, I assuming... I think we can pretty confidently say Mike Conley's not going to play just based on how the Jazz have been handling it. I would assume he's not going to play because it's a back-to-back. So if Mike Conley's not playing and Joel plays, okay, obviously that's going to be a bit of a challenge. If Mike Conley doesn't play and Joel doesn't play, then I think the Jazz win the game. Yeah, I, I think that I think they have a pretty good chance to win either way. But the Jazz are going. It's going to be tough. It's tough to win in Philly either way. I want to see. Ru- I want to see the Rudy and Joel matchup again. I want to see how Rudy adapts and and grows from the last matchup. Yeah. Hey, I thought you said that Kalani was focused on bowl game preparation. Okay, what makes you think he's not? Terry says, "What makes you think he's not? Just you can do two things at once." And I think, as Jake said, his agent's handling the contract. Yeah. So uh, Mitchell is nasty right now. The Nye guy says. Yeah, I mean, I. <laughs> so he crosses the thirty-point line last night when we're watching this game. I'm like, wait, he has thirty? Like that must have been the quietest thirty-point game of his life. Like, yeah. it just is so easy for him right now. Well, because he's added this left hand that's reliable now. Yeah. Like, I mean, he's adding stuff to his bag all the time. Jeremy Bolton says, hello, good morning, Caruso sucks. Thank you. Thank you for your contribution today. Really appreciate it. Um, You know, love you. You know. He also says Donovan has been fantastic the last four <clears throat> or five games. He has. Yeah. He has. Um, And when they shoot threes like that, it's going to be tough for them to win. Agreed. Or to lose, rather. It's going to be tough for them to be, be beaten. Yeah. Because when they shoot 53s a game, that's why I always say, when this as this roster is constructed now, shoot 50, 60, 70, shoot 100 This team a goes as a three goes. Yeah. Why wouldn't you shoot? Uh, again, yeah, I, I agree with you. Why wouldn't you shoot 55, 60 a night? Yeah, I don't do know. Do it. Like, what do you, like, come on. I don't know. I, I think it's, um, you know. Snuka says, speaking of the Jazz, everyone subscribe so I can get an Xbox Series S. Truth. <laughs> Absolutely true. Who's no. who's texting you? That's you. That's not me. Are you kidding me? That's you. That's not me. Is that me? That could be. It's Mrs. Monty. By the way, honey, I, go hot. I miss my wife. Like she needs. Inevitably, to we always get to this portion when when Mrs. Monty's out of town. What? I don't sleep well. Oh, I um, slept like a light. It was I, lights I, out I, last I, night. I, I'm out of my routine. I have to do extra things. You know. I slept like a rock last night, dude. I turned the fan on to speed two. Did you really? Yeah, we have a new fan, a new ceiling fan. It's about six months old now. Um, but we put a new fan in our room, and it's got a remote control. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. I usually have it on one. Yeah. Last night, I got daring. Oh, boy. Put it on two, got under the sheet, because I'm actually an adult. I use a flat sheet. Yeah, flat sheets are dumb. Uh, <laughs> I use a flat sheet and a weighted blanket. I'm for real. Good night. Had one trip to uh, nighttime pee guy. And other than that, I was out. Nice, dude. I slept really, really well. Nice. Really, really, really well. Very nice. I like that. Yeah, that was uh, that was amazing. Um, yeah, we're giving away this Xbox Series S. Uh, we're going to do that at 3,000. Yeah, can we get a little subscriber count check in? 2671. So we've picked, up, we've picked up quite a few subscribers in the last 10 days. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, subscribe. Give us, first of all, if you're here right now, give us a thumbs up. Yeah, just hit the thumbs up Please button. Please hit the thumbs yeah. up button. Uh, then hit subscribe. Take a picture that you're subscribed. Um, tag us on social, any of the three, Instagram, Twitter, or TikTok. 
Uh, you have to tag us both. I'm the Monty Show. He's SLC Supercars. At 3000 we're going to give away this uh, Xbox Series S. Period. Okay. Um, you can't read that comment. That'll get filtered. The Minnesota <laughs> fans were ah and ooing at, at Mitchell's moves. He's pretty good. Not that they have the balls, but would it make sense for the Jazz to go for Saboner? Um, I'm telling you. Did he you, literally write Saboner? He did write Saboner. <laughs> he did. Uh, I'm telling you that they should be going after Karis LeVert. Yeah. It's the guy they should be going after. And if they're not, I'd be disappointed. All right. Can we talk about happiness? Speaking of my wife being out of town. Yeah. Um, you know, I've been reading a lot about thriving mm -hmm. lately. And I'm not the guy who just checks off days off the calendar. Like, I think you need to live your life. So if I just asked you point blank, mm -hmm. are you happy? Yeah, I would say for the most part, yeah. In the day-to-day, -day, yes. I think I'm now as happy as I've ever been. But, you know. Donnie? I have like four computers here. <laughs> and they and all as get. as you can see, I'm going through some shit right now. <laughs> Where is it at? You're like, what? Um, I'm trying to figure out where it is. And it was on my other MacBook. Okay, got it. Okay. Anyway. Yeah. All right. So you're as happy as I'm you've as ever been. I'm as happy as I've ever been. But the definition of happiness has changed. Okay. Now that uh, we have pretty significant financial freedom, um, you know, we're very fortunate that we're 100% debt free. Mm -hmm. uh, we have pretty good resources in the bank at this moment. Like everything's good that way. So I'm no longer stressing about my finances. Um, but, you know, I'm starting to realize that every day that you live is a, is you're a day older. Mm -hmm. You're never going to be younger than you are right now in this moment in time. Every second on the clock, you're getting older. And I just realized that like this pandemic has created so much opportunity. And I feel like it, it I have like this odd sense of urgency that I want to, I want to get aggressive and take advantage of that. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I don't, you know, I'm not saying that I know how to do that. Right. Necessarily, we have a plan. We're working on something outside of things. But, you know, like, I just feel like there's something I should be doing that I'm not doing. And so I've been I've been really getting into, you know, thriving and happiness and, you know, how, you know, techniques, mental techniques for living in the moment. And it makes a huge difference. And last night I was reading about happiness and during the pandemic. People say their happiness has gone up. It's not gone down. Right. Divorces have gone down. They haven't gone up. Birth rates are steady. So everybody's Go like, oh, well, everybody's going to be at home. We're going to be pounding box. Yep. Making babies, baby. Yep. Well, it turns should out, happen. Yeah. Like it's been level, right? So happiness has gone up. And I think it's because people have been forced to spend more time with each other. And get to know people, get to know the people you live with. Yeah. And I'm just curious, like, I, I'm I'm just interested to see how happy people really are. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that, you know, happiness is, you know, a lot of people say, like, happiness is a choice. And I kind of believe that. Like, I think it's, you know, everybody has different challenges and hurdles that they have to deal with on the day to day. But I think that, you know, we can choose to be, you know, to live, you know, gratefully. We can choose to be, you know, um, 
happy with life, but I think there's a difference. Like being happy, but also wanting to do more isn't wrong. I feel like, you know, just because you want to do more doesn't mean you're unhappy. But what are, what are the key factors in your happiness? And I would love to get comments on this because I really want to... Um, I really want to understand where people are at, especially now with it being Christmas and the high holidays. And like, what are the key factors in your life when it comes to happiness? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the first key factor is work, you know, especially when you're in sales. Like, I think if work is if work is going well and, you know, you're closing deals and having a great month, your day to day is going to be a bit easier. You know, mm -hmm. when you got the momentum at work, life is a lot easier. You know, uh, that'd be number one. Uh, number two, I think is, um, yeah, I mean, I think relationships and the people in your life would be, would be second. You know, I, I think, you know, like for me, you know, our relationship never seems to, never seems to waver or have issues just cause like we work together every day, you know? So like we just are, it's almost like we're on autopilot in that sense. Like for me, you know, yeah, it's no secret. Like as much as we joke and, <clears throat> and you know, have fun with it. Like the dating thing has been a real challenge. You know, I finally feel like I've met someone who I got a chance with, you know, and that's been nice. So we'll see. But like, that would be the only thing I would say that I've been unhappy with. That's been the thing that's been frustrating and feels like I'm wasting my time. You know, I don't think there's any doubt for me. It was finances. Mm -hmm. Like I, a finances, the, you know, up we just until, went through a dark time. I, I think like, yeah, you know, I had a two year period where my life was pretty stressful over my money. Yeah, I mean, those, for me, those two years, I just didn't have money. I just didn't, I just, you know, like, I just didn't. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so it's like, I wasn't, you know, like, our situations were a little bit different in the sense that, you know, I didn't, I didn't have nearly as much debt, but like, I just didn't have money. And and that's been the, the craziest thing about Yelp and how it's kind of changed things around. You know, you go from making, I think I think the year before I started at Yelp, I made like thirty thousand dollars or forty thousand, maybe if I was lucky, you know. So I just didn't really have money, and now it's totally different, you know. Not now we're I'm in a good spot. We are in a good spot. So I think I think the money poor. Everyone says, oh well, money can't buy happiness, which I think is total horse crap. I think that that money is the lifeblood of of everything that we do. You know, you can't go to the store and pay for your groceries with happiness, right? But I think there's a lot of people that this time of year struggle. Oh, absolutely. I, I think I think the gift-giving thing, uh, the whole dynamic around buying gifts for your kids, and I was reading an article about about how telling your kids, you know, that Santa gave them that, that $1,000 iPad is ruining other kids in school because kids go to school. One kid says Santa got me an iPad. Another kid says that Santa got me a pair of socks, and the kid who got the pair of socks is wondering why they didn't get the iPad. And so it's just this whole thing that we go through every single year. And I'm not saying that like the Santa thing is a bad thing, but I think when we talk about happiness and how parents handle it and manage it, I, I think it's a really interesting thing. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I think the holidays, especially with COVID, bring up a lot of stress and unhappiness for people. I mean, we've lost millions and mm -hmm. millions of people. And so I think when you see that, you know, like there's going to be some empty seats around the table this year. Yeah. Um, you know, like there's a lot of people who won't be able to get together. And I think um, Squeaky Joe, Car Josh Carlisle says hi from Minnesota. What's up, buddy? Good to see you. The Nye guy says less stress. Dario George says purpose is is a big part of happiness, of course. Um, 
Casey Finlinson says, after a conversation I had yesterday, I think more people than I thought absolutely hate the holidays. I feel the same between the social commitments and family stress. It's not a fun time. I think there's a lot of people who feel that way. Well, I think so. It's kind of funny you bring that up because what was that? What was that first year where we did we did Thanksgiving up in Park City? We didn't do it at home the traditional way. I can't remember when that was. That 20, was like probably 2014. Yeah, I feel like that that was a while ago. Now it was like seven, eight years ago. Yeah, like 2014 or whatever. That ever since that year, we really haven't done huge. Like I think we've done it one time or two times. Huge Thanksgiving at home with all the dishes and everything like that. You know. Like it's a, it's a, it's interesting how much more fun Thanksgiving is when you're in Maui sitting in the pool. Yeah. Who would have thought, you know, like it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy Bolton says, Casey, unfortunately I agree. My in-laws always come out for the holidays this time around. They're out for six weeks and I hate it. Every year makes me wish for the holidays to end. Ooh, it's rough, man. Six weeks is a long time. That's rough, dude. Uh, the night guy says, Jake, I'm with you. Congrats on meeting a good one. May the teacher burn in seven layers of Dante's hell. Okay. You know. Wow. You know. Um, Thank you. <laughs> that's interesting, Monty. I've been less happy since COVID. The last time I can say I was truly happy was March 7th, 2020. That was when someone in my family got married, Tanner Plummer says. Uh, well, let me let me pose this question. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut it down. Either. But let me ask this question. How many people in the comments right now work from home? I want to ask that question. How many people on the day-to-day work from home? Man, I got to say that's a lot. Um, Gabe Ludley says, having money, not everything, but not having it is. Exactly. Correct. Gratitude paves the path to happiness. Yes, it does. Uh, Angry Angry Astley says, wealthy isn't measured by how much money you have. It's about if you're happy. Nope, I'm in school, Astley says. Uh, Bolton says, my wife and I both work from home. Yeah, see, so like... For the, so we work from home, too, and I think that the work-from-home thing has been a kind of a crazy dynamic. I never thought I'd be a work-from-home guy, but I love it. I yeah. love being able to work from home. Maury Alves says, I work from home. It's great. Like It, 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 it really helps. Yeah, and I, I think it makes a huge difference. Yeah. You know, a relation, I think, you know, marriage is such a key dynamic. Mm-hmm. And I think money is such a key component in relationships. You know, like, uh, yeah, Justin, money absolutely buys happiness. This has been my most successful year financially. And being able to watch my kids smile while on vacation is everything. I mean, isn't it? Isn't it? It absolutely. Like, I don't have kids, so I can't obviously put myself in your shoes. But I can only imagine how how good it must feel as a parent to see your kids just not having a care in the world and having everything that they need. I could only imagine how good that feels. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Bear Laker says, I haven't worked in the office for almost two years and I love it. Right? Yeah, we work at Yelp and you don't, we'll never have to go back to the office if we don't want to. I mean, they, they've made it. Uh, like going back to know. the office for a day is like an event now. You know, it's like yeah. a, it's like a thing. Yep. It's a happening. The Nye guy says, I work from home, but I live at work. Yeah. Which well. can be difficult. Casey Finland says, money isn't it. It's stress that comes from not having it. Correct. Agreed. Cam Harrison says, I work from home and twice in, in the office. I love how I can literally work from anywhere. Shout out to Mo Bamba. Hey, man. You know. You Shout out to Mo Bamba. Yeah, I, I love working from anywhere. I, I, I agree with that 100%. You know, the hard thing is, I guess, I just, I think marriage brings such an important dynamic to your life. And, you know, like one of the things we don't talk about enough probably is the importance of sex in marriage, right? And I think that 
there's so many people whose sex lives are dysfunctional and you pile financial problems on top of that. You know, if you have health problems, God forbid, you pile that on top of that, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I just think that that there are so many things that we do on a daily basis that torpedo our happiness. I think you need to be mindful of the things that you do on a regular basis. I, I think the things you say and how they say, how you say it, I know that my words can be very, very cutting. And so just the tone that I deliver my language in needs to be very carefully thought about. And it's something I really work on. You know, like I, I think with my wife, I, I, I treat her like my queen because think about your life without that person. You know, we find ourselves being unhappy over, you know, getting in arguments over, you know, how the guy in front of us was driving, you know, that leads to a fight or you forgot to get something at the store. And you may, we have these stupid petty arguments and it's like, okay, are we really going to end our marriage over what I forgot to get at the store? Well, it's a culmination of all those arguments, I think. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's very, you, you just need to really understand that. You know, I, I, I think marriage is so important to your happiness. And I think we have trouble talking about sex in this country. Oh, no question. I really do. No I, I, I think if you have a dysfunctional sex life inside of your marriage, it's going to be very difficult to be, to be happy, to thrive in that relationship. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's something that I think we probably all have dealt with. Um, and marriage is, is incredibly important. Again, I mean, you, you choose to be in love every day when you're married because it is very difficult to, to be happy every single day of your married life. Mm-hmm. And yet when you're unhappy in your marriage, it, it greatly affects you. So I don't know. I just thought it, it was interesting because I was reading articles about how people's happiness has actually gone up during the pandemic. And there are more people thriving financially during the pandemic than there ever has been before. And I'm not talking about the people that, you know, the billionaires that grew billions. I just mean in general. So uh, the night guy says they work at Westminster and live on campus. So, ah, gotcha. Gotcha. Craig Hawkins says they do not work from home. Uh, Tanner Plummer says my wife and I don't work from home. I also go to college and I have to go to Salt Lake two, three times a week. That sounds stressful. That sounds stressful. Sounds like a lot. Yeah. Uh, Brylark says Monty, 100%. Thank you. Uh, Tanner says, I wish I worked from home. A lot of people do. A lot of people do. Yeah, dude. So. Yeah. There you have it. Okay. Well, this has been nice. (laughs) I feel like, I feel like the holidays are a heavy conversation. Well, they are because I think, I think. I, well, we're, what we also haven't mentioned is the is spe- specifically in in Utah the 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 re- the religion dynamic around the holidays is is really present. Meaning that you know I know several friends that I have who are not LDS, but their family is LDS, and that whole dynamic you know is really really interesting. And I think whether you're somebody who who is dreading the holidays. Because you're not LDS and your family is, or you're dreading the holidays simply because your in-laws are staying with you for six weeks and, and you're not a fan, like whatever it is, I, I think that the holidays, you just have to find a way to enjoy the holidays. You have to find a way. And and sometimes that's not easy. Sometimes that's saying, hey, yeah, I, I don't want the in-laws here this year. And that's difficult. Almost impossible, maybe. You yeah. Know? I... I- the holidays are very difficult. Mm-hmm. Be aware of that. Talk to people. Um, mm-hmm. You know, in our state, you know, uh, addiction and suicide are real epidemics in this state. 
in Utah. So please talk to people. Please have open conversations. All right, there you go. Philly or the Jazz tonight? Mm. Jazz won't be jazz. able. To, jazz won't be able to play small ball. I'm gonna go with the Jazz. They're shooting it well. All right. I feel like I feel like they might be able to pull this one out. Through the whole pandemic, I've had to go into work. However, I've been successful at work with a new, better paying position during the same time. There you go. I think some people still do well going in. All right, play the music. We got to go. Uh, good times. Good talk. Appreciate that. The night guy says, like Jake, I've recently met someone and now I have to deal with that at Xmas. Ugh. <laughs> wow. Are you getting Are you getting the not teacher a Christmas gift? Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll figure something out. Gift of this yeah. Anyway. Wow. That was probably too Wow. 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 Thanks for listening. Until tomorrow. Say yeah, Jake. Yeah. Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs>